Welcome to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast, episode two. Today, we are going to be talking all about how to start your very own vegetable garden. It really is a lot easier than you may think. So if you've been playing with the idea of starting one, let's make it a reality this year, no more waiting, and jump right into how we can get you started growing your own groceries. In this episode, I'm going to be covering the benefits of a garden, how to determine what to grow, when to grow, and where to grow, and give you some really good options for small space gardens. So let's jump right in. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a wife, mother of three, and the creator of the blog Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. Hi guys. I'm so excited for this episode because at the time of this recording this, it is beginning of April and I just love this time of year. It's when I start to get really antsy about getting into the garden and where I'm at in Maryland, we just are teased and teased and teased for what seems like weeks with nice weather and then we get rainy weather and then we get cold weather. So I am just so antsy and itchy to get in the garden. So I've done some things to prepare. I've done some... I've done some uh, seedlings. We've got seedlings started. I've got my soil tested. We really did a uh, full-blown soil test, sent our soil samples out to a university and had came back with all kinds of results. I might do an episode on that alone um, or at least a blog post because I think that's really important um, information. So another part of what we've been doing is really focusing on expanding on some other areas and I'll go through that when I talk about kind of like how the locations you can choose your location uh, for your garden so I am just really hoping to encourage you to start gardening to plant and try and experiment and try again next year and try to improve it is gardening is something that is not something you're going to master your first year it is a lifelong learning process and something that you nurture and improve upon every single year. And that's what I've learned. We've had a garden for about eight years now, and we have done um, several different improvements over the years after we've um, had some many, many failures. When we had our, when we first bought our property back in 2012, my mother and I really wanted to have a, have a garden. We never had one growing up. So we decided that we were going to do a garden and we planted, we had no idea what we were doing, and we usually just jump feet first, head first, whatever, right into whatever project we were looking at, and that was gardening. So we had a small plot of land we were working with, and we threw just about every plant we could think of in this area, not considering that these plants are gonna grow and get really large, and that seedlings you find at the store are not going to be the size that they're going to be two months down the road. So needless to say, we had a very crowded garden. Some of the things did not 
produce much harvest at all. And then we had things like our cucumbers, which did amazingly. And, and we were drowning in cucumbers. And so we tried our hand at pickles, which were like the worst pickles ever. They're salty and soggy. And yeah, so that first year we had, it was definitely an experimental year. But since then we've um, adjusted, uh, researched before we jumped into some things. We've expanded, we've done a lot of testing um, and troubleshooting. So I think we've come a long way. So saying that uh, over these years, I've really learned how to um, plan how to um, formulate a structured schedule on how to do your your planting and your maintenance so that you can best not only utilize your time efficiently, but also um, plan for success, let's say. So I'm going to be talking about a couple things that you must determine and decide and think about before you even break ground. A garden has so many uh, positive benefits for not only yourself, but also for your entire family. Some of the things that I love is that not, I mean, it gives you fresh food is really literally at your fingertips. You walk out your back door and you have fresh food right there for you. Uh, My kids love it because they can go out and they can just pick things. I allow them to just pick things and eat it. Um, As long as it's something we've discussed before that doesn't need to be cooked or, or, um, any kind of prepared beforehand. So I always make sure to plant plenty of cherry tomato plants because that's something that they can just go out when they're playing and enjoy cherry tomatoes at their leisure. I love that. They really love it also. Also a great activity for the entire family. If you think about it, gardening has a ton of different duties and responsibilities and tasks that need to be done throughout the year. For us, our growing season is usually May to um, May to end of September, let's say. That's several months. So we, um, there's a lot to be done during those months and there's a job for everyone. So there's a job for your two-year-old. There's a, there's a progression in the difficulty and the level of responsibility that can be given to your children from really little to, to, you know, adulthood. So there's something progressive in the duties that you can give them. So it's, there's something, there's something for everyone in the family to do. I also love that it teaches kids so many different skills and values. And one of my favorites that it teaches them is patience. So it teaches them a long-term project, right? So you're starting with a seed or a seedling, whatever your, you know, your beginning point is, and you're, you're working with that through to the end. And they're seeing that progression, that growing progression from coming from a seed, being a seedling to watering it and nurturing it and getting harvest and maintenancing it and taking care of it, making sure there's no pests or disease and adjusting accordingly. Um, and then you get your harvest and you get to reap the benefits of, you know, your hard work. I love that. I think that's such a good, a good value that is taught to kids through gardening. I also love that it teaches them troubleshooting. So it's something that we can take time to observe what's going on with plants and a couple different, you know, if they're having different pest issues, then we can take a look at that and kind of have them figure out what we can do about it and do some research, really work with them on their troubleshooting and problem solving skills. Uh, I really just love the skills and values that it teaches the kids. 
It also is really great for teaching them food awareness. So it's teaching them where your foods come from. So I'm not so sure that even many, all adults would know what a Brussels sprout plant looks like in the ground, what celery looks like growing the fruit and vegetables that you see in the grocery store, how they look like in their natural state as they're growing. And I think food awareness is really important. It also gardening just in itself teaches them food skills. It teaches them how to grow, how to provide food for themselves. And in the simplest terms, it teaches you how to feed yourself, right? So honestly, they'll never go hungry. And it's just a beautiful outdoor activity that I love to have the kids out. They look forward, they honestly look forward to having a garden every year. And the last point that I think is so important is, is that there is a true self-sufficiency movement going on where people are really taking the time and effort to get back to their roots, to get back to the garden, to get back to um, understanding and appreciating uh, how to provide for their family with their own hands. This is a real a real movement that's going on. And to be a part of that is satisfying, it's rewarding, and it's just an amazing thing to share with your family. So uh, those are some of the great benefits of gardening. So I'm hoping that encourages you to take the next step, which is to start planning, thinking about some of these things. We're not even touching ground yet, but there's a couple things we need to determine and discuss uh, before we even get to breaking ground. So a couple of those is you're going to, you're going to want to decide when to grow. You want to decide what to grow and where to grow. And so some of these things are a little bit easier than others, but overall, it's just kind of putting a little bit more effort and, uh, thought behind these things before we just like jump in. Believe me, I love just jumping in, but your life will be much easier if we just put a little bit more thought ahead of time in our planning process. Okay. So determining when to grow, there's a couple of things that are really important to know. And one of those is your growing zone. So the United States is broken up into different growing zones, which is based on your average temperature, um, your average freeze date and temperature and, and whatnot. And what that determines is what is going to grow best in your zone. So when you're doing research, on, on your area or your zone, it's, that's going to tell you what fruits and vegetables do best, what does what is not going to do well, what you're going to struggle with. Um, so that's really important to know. So one way that you can find that is by going to the old farmer's almanac and uh, putting in your zip code and you'll get your, your growing zone. And the next thing you want to find out is your last freeze date and your first freeze date. Your last freeze date is the average date in the springtime that you can expect there to be freezing temperatures overnight, which could kill any um, frost intolerant vegetables or plants that you've put in the ground. So, so for example, my last freeze date is usually mid-April. I still watch the temperature, the nightly temperature regularly so that I'm sure that I'm not putting my tomatoes or my peppers or frost intolerant plants. So there's frost tolerant plants like your spinach and some of your Brussels sprouts, some of your broccolis that you can put in the ground before they can tolerate a little bit of freeze, like a little bit of cold. So you can put them in a week, maybe a couple weeks before, before that freeze date, but your tomatoes and your peppers, you want to wait until after all 
um, threat of frost is over. So I probably won't plant those tomatoes or those those um, peppers until Mother's Day is usually my guideline. And so that's why you want to really know what your last freeze date is. And then your first freeze date is that date going into into the winter season. So into the fall. So that would be for me is about mid-October. My first freeze would be the average date that would that uh, I could expect a freezing nightly temperature that could, would kill anything that was in the ground. So what I would want to do with that date is count backwards whatever date my germination period or my, my harvesting period is for a certain fruit or vegetable and that way I can get in a last harvest before my first freeze date. So those dates are really important when scheduling when you're going to put your plants in your ground. So the next thing that you want to do is determine what to grow. And determining what to grow is really dependent on what you like. So that first year that we planted our garden, like I said, we planted everything. We planted eggplants and peppers and zucchini and squash. I think, I honestly think we planted like four, four different kinds of squash. Um, having no idea how big some squash plants and how big zucchini plants can get. <sighs> it was really crazy. So anyways, we didn't, I wasn't prepared to have that many eggplants or that many squash. I didn't have the recipes for them to support that much. And so we really struggled with the amount of harvest we had. You really want to determine what it is you want to plant. So these are some of the things that I think you should ask yourself. What is it that, you, that your family loves to eat? What is it that your family does not like to eat? If you guys don't like Brussels sprouts, don't plant any Brussels sprouts. Um, for example, my boys love broccoli. They love broccoli. So I am going to plant uh, broccoli, a lot of broccoli, hopefully enough that I can actually freeze it and keep it throughout the year. I've been trying to up my doses, of bro uh, up my amount of broccoli that I plant to sustain us through the entire year because we eat a lot of broccoli. Um, also what vegetables are the most expensive? Uh, what vegetables or what f fruits or vegetables are hard to find? What's worth it? Like how expensive, well, I talked about how expensive, how expensive are they? So if some, there's something that's just not that expensive, it may not be worth it. The time you may not have the space or the, um, you know, sometimes it's just not cost effective to plant some of these plants. So think about those kinds of things before you actually choose. So what I would recommend going through and writing down every kind of vegetable and fruit that sounds amazing to plant and then kind of weed it down. Um, and I'll tell, tell, I'll be talking a little bit about how to determining where to grow so that that will help you kind of decide the area and location that you have. Okay. So the next part is determining where to grow. So when people are just starting their garden, one of the biggest hesitations or reasons that I get that people don't think they can garden or have put off gardening for so long is that they don't think they have enough property. And that's a really big, um, I guess, misconception is that you need a lot of property or a lot of land or a huge backyard in order to have a successful and bountiful garden. So there's a couple of ways that you can plant. You can plant in a garden plot, which is like literally in the ground. You could also plant in raised beds and then you can also grow in containers or pots and then you could also grow in what's called like edible landscaping which is dispersing plants like tomatoes, peppers, herbs are great for doing this throughout existing landscaping that you have. So if you have bushes or you have a nice flower bed up front 
you know, up near your mailbox or something or putting uh, edible plants in there is a really great way to utilize space you already have. So uh, we honestly kind of use utilize all of those. I have a garden plot where I have rows and I'm doing a couple different things there. This year I'm planning on doing all of my my root vegetables so I'm doing all my I'm going to be doing potatoes and onions I'm hoping to do garlic yeah but that's a fall thing I'll plant in the fall but garlic and carrots in this plot area and then I'm also going to be doing raised beds I have six raised beds which I do which I'm going to be saving those for my beans my peppers and my tomatoes and then I also am utilizing a flower bed that I have around the one side of my house that I've put flowers and I'm also incorporating all my herbs in there and then this year I'm also taking on we have this tier like this hill basically outside um, right outside my back door which I right now I despise because it's covered in juniper super we weeds and I have to weed it out so I'm trying some way to utilize that so that I can just rip all that stuff out plant my herbs maybe some zucchinis and maybe even some of my, my vining stuff that will come down the hill. And then as a method of retaining that dirt there, I'm going to be uh, putting down a cover crop in the fall, like rye or, or something along those lines to really keep that dirt there. That was my one of my concerns of tearing all this out before it was that all that dirt that's there is just going to be washing down into my patio because it's such a steep hill. So that's my project for this year. We'll see how that goes. I'll keep you guys updated. So those are some of your options. Um, I think that if you're just starting, one of the best ways to utilize your space, and which is the least risky, and which is which also provides you the most flexibility, is by doing a container garden. Container gardens are really great because you can uh, be flexible with your sunlight. You're not just determining a permanent location for this so if you're really not sure but you know time's getting the best of you and you just want to get your plants started highly recommend containers because you can move them around kind of experiment with your sunlight and you plus you don't have to worry about the quality of your native soil you're going to be filling it with uh, potting soil that you can get at the store so nutrients should be pretty good in those you might have to add some amendments but overall you don't have to worry about the deficiencies that may be present in a native soil so Container gardens are really great. Plus, container gardens are good for patios and balconies. Really great for small spaces. You can pack a bunch of those into a small space. You can even stack them and do like vertical gardening or like tiered gardening. So there's tons of options for using containers in your garden. Some of the things that I think that are really important when to uh, consider when determining your location, especially if you're determining a permanent location, is to, before choosing that location, really spend a lot of time outside and trying to find out where you're gonna get the most sun. You're also want somewhere that, this sounds crazy and sounds like common sense, but believe me, it is something that goes overlooked far too often. And that is that you have accessible water to your garden. Uh, you don't wanna be picking something that you're gonna have to be lugging gallons and gallons of water to. You don't wanna be, you don't wanna be planting a huge in-ground garden like 100 feet away from your your uh, hose because that's going to be a struggle to maintain that garden day in and day out. 
Another thing that you want to consider is planting a space close to your house. So when I, when I first started gardening, I had the only time I really had to spend time out in my garden to really do some work, some garden work and maintenance was either at nap time or that hour, like seven to eight, eight to nine in the middle of summer, once the kids have gone to bed. So I did not want to have a garden that was too far away from the house because I didn't want to be far away from the house with the kids sleeping. So I wanted it to be close enough that I felt comfortable being out there working while the kids were in the house. So it worked out that we had our garden like literally under the window of my kids' nursery. So that really helped us out a lot. So determining where to grow is really important before you even break ground. And kind of following these steps and determining that will help you make the best decision. One of the other things that is really important in deciding is whether or not you're going to be starting from seeds or from starts. Now that means, are you going to be buying, are you going to be starting from seed in your house, um, like indoor seeding, or are you going to be just buying plants from the store? I kind of do a variety of both. I work with doing seeds. I've, I've been starting to try and make that a practice. Uh, I start my seeds like mid-February, beginning of March. Um for some of my plants. And I always figure that if they don't take or if something happens to them, I can always buy plants at the store. But I like to try, you know, and do that process myself. But if you're just starting out, just grab the plants from the store. The hard part of starting plants from seeds is already done. You don't have to worry about that variable in the process. So just go grab some plants and put them in the ground or in your pots or your containers, and you will get off to a really great start by doing it that way. Now, if you're a little bit more advanced and you want to start them by seeds, that's a really great option. It is not as hard as you would think. It literally is just reading your packet and determining how many weeks ahead of time, putting it into the ground that you need to start them, and then kind of working it back from there. So I have a really great, I'm going to put the plug in now. If you want to get started gardening, I have a really great garden guide that is completely free. You can go to www.yourdreamgardenguide.com and it's going to go through a lot of what we talked about today, but even some additional tips and tricks on how to get started growing a garden today. It also has area for plotting out your garden as well as great observation pages so you can take notes when you go out to your garden which is a really important thing to do. Uh, take notes of any pests you see and, and how you how you got rid of them because you think you're going to know next year. You think you're going to remember next year, but you're not. So it's really important on taking notes. So once you've decided all of those things, you are really ready to get started. But there's still a couple things you might need. My must-haves for, for getting started gardening is you have to have a good tool set. Um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be on the inexpensive side, but it's got to have a trowel, a spade, a rake is really nice. I also recommend a good pruner, hand pruner. I definitely recommend that. That is where I would put my money in, is into a good hand pruner. Uh, you also want to have a hose with a hose sprayer. You don't want to try to be watering your garden without a sprayer. And then you, a uh, watering can is really great. A wheelbarrow not necessarily must-haves, but something that is definitely helpful. So my recommendation is to, once you have all of these factors decided, to just jump right in and give it a try. 
there's really no reason to not give it a try. Just throw some plants in the ground and see what happens. This is something that is going to be a lifelong learning process. As with everything that I think we try to do with Simple Living is it's, it's a lifelong learning process. And it's just important to know that because for one, it helps uh, cut out overwhelm because you don't you don't have to do it all right now. You're going to learn. You're going to get better. It's a progressional um, and intentional striving to learn and uh, improve next year, right? So I really hope that this helped you uh, get inspired and encouraged. It does not have to be a complicated and intimidating process. Like literally go to the store, get some plants and throw them in the ground. So thanks guys. I hope that was helpful and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. If you have not already signed up to grab my free ebook, you can go to www.yourdreamgardenguide.com. This garden guide has everything you need to get started growing your own vegetable garden this year. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have topic suggestions for the podcast, please email me at info at